we're glad that you are here today and we welcome you. It's a very special day in the, in the life of Christians as we, uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ today. And we welcome you here and are glad that you have uh, joined us in this celebration of resurrection this morning. We welcome our guests especially today. Uh, you are very important to us and we are glad that you are here and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family today as we worship the Lord together. Um, there are several things I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets. There's a, a attendance sheet on each row uh, on the clipboard there. And we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and pass it down the row so others can fill it out as well. And especially if you would like to uh, receive our email newsletter, we send that out every Thursday morning. And if you don't receive that and would like to, be sure to put your email address on there uh, and we'll put you on our list to receive our email newsletter every week. Um, also, before you pass it down, you'll notice that there are some other forms on there. And, that, and the reason why is because um, today is not only Easter, but it's something that we do here at Community Baptist Church once or twice a year. We have a joining Sunday. Uh, and this is a time where we just want to make it easy for people who would like to become a member of Community Baptist Church to do so. And, uh, and so uh, we have some forms on the, um, the clipboards there. Some of you have already given me your forms uh, who would like to join the church today. And if you, um, if you would like to join the church today, please fill out that form. And you can do one of two things. You can either bring it to me uh, at the end of the service, at the last, uh, our closing hymn, or you could just drop it in the offering plate, and we can uh, we can take care of that a little later on. Uh, but but those forms are, for, are there for you for your convenience if you would like to become a member of Community Baptist Church today. Um, there are several announcements in your worship folder. I won't call attention to all of them, uh, but just ask that you uh, refer to that. Uh, we do have our apostles, uh, our uh, Habitat for Humanity Apostles Bill that's coming up, and we need some volunteers for that. Uh, so please take note of the dates on there, and there's a, a volunteer sheet up on the bulletin board if you would uh, like to sign up for that. And uh, we also want to encourage everyone here to come back next week because we are beginning a new sermon series next week, um, and the title of the series is Five Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Now, I know there's a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Pe Leaders, but uh, I kind of stole that title and, uh, and changed it a little bit. And we're going to be studying five habits of highly effective Christians. And next week, our habit will be the habit of Bible study. And we'll also be talking about prayer and generosity and solitude and friendship. And so... Uh, uh, we hope that you'll come and, be, and join us for this sermon series that's coming up beginning next week. You know, um, uh, the great theologian Karl Barth used to say uh, that preachers ought to always preach with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And so I'm going to try that today. No, just, just teasing. But if, if you would, uh, wouldn't mind a little personal note here today, if you have uh, received your copy of the Gleaner, uh, you may, and if you haven't, you may want to go ahead and do that. You'll notice. <laughs> Look at that.
Of course, we have our own little resurrection story here, don't we? We sure do. So, blessings. Blessings. Uh, and also, uh, I want, wanted to say something about them, but I'm not sure I can. <laughs> uh, but there, you know, of course, Rachel is wonderful good news as she is a story of resurrection. Um, you, you'll see the headline of the picture on the front page of the Gleaner said, One would never know by looking at her now that just three years ago, Rachel Hobson, now 22, was fighting for her life because of viral encephalitis that unexpectedly struck her. Rachel is 95% recovering, recovered from her condition that is most often fatal. And so that is resurrection hope, isn't it? Amen. Amen. And speaking of resurrection and new life and things like that, um, Rachel has a new nephew. And uh, there he is right there, uh, Aaron David Hobson. And that means that Mark has a new grandson. So we congratulate Thank you for that as well. <laughs> and uh, Nora is up there today, so that's why she's not here. And she's up there spoiling that new grandson. Yeah, they're never too young to spoil. Are and we're, they? we're going up this afternoon. Good, good. But thank you. We have come into this place because Christ has been raised, and we too have been raised with Christ, who sits at the right hand of God. Therefore, we will seek the good of our neighbor and set our minds on, other, or on things other than ourselves. In our commitment to Christ, our old self has died and is now hidden with Christ. Christ is our life, and when he comes again, we will be with him indeed. And so enter into the joy of this celebration today, for death has been defeated. You going to do the visitors? the bread, his blood the wine, 
broken and poured out, awful love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so How's everybody doing today? Y'all scared of me? Get a little closer? <laughs> you might see me shaking, but I'm not really scared. What is today? Easter. 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 Oh. <laughs> and what are these I have here today? Easter eggs. Easter eggs. What do you think's in them? Things. Things? Like that one? What's in that? Oh, I bet they're all empty. What do you think? You think they're all empty? Well, they're not. Today's Easter. It's a special day. Jesus died for us, right? Well, each egg here has a different symbol in it. It represents something that happened before he was crucified on the cross. Like this blue egg. 
What do we have in here? See the little donkey? Donkey, Jesus rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem, and everybody gathered around him. When they gathered around him, when he was coming in on a donkey, everyone, everyone shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that was the only time that Jesus ever rode on anything, because any other time in the Bible you, you always hear about him walking. And then here in the light pink, oh, what is that? What are these things? Coins. Everybody likes having coins, don't they? Well, these coins here, the Jewish leaders, they wanted to get rid of Jesus because they weren't the, they, he wasn't the kind of king or messiah that they wanted. So Judas, one of his disciples, betrayed Jesus. And the leaders, the officials, gave Judas 30 pieces of silver to turn Jesus over to him. That's not a good thing to do, is it? Betrayal? All right, and we have the, the purple. In the purple, what do we have? Cup. What does a cup represent? Anybody know? Yes. Right. The wine they drank represent the blood that Jesus shed for us. And today we drink wine or sometimes grape juice. And then the orange. Orange egg. Anybody see what that is? Praying hands. You want a hand? Give me a high five. Oh, okay. The praying hands represent Jesus because he always prayed not just for his disciples and people around him. He prayed for everybody. He prayed for everybody, and that's what we should do. We should pray not just for yourselves, not just in good times, but in bad times also. Both. And the green, green egg. This is a little piece of, can you tell what that is? A little piece of leather. You want everything, don't you, Jerry? <laughs> the leather represents what the Roman soldiers used to beat Jesus with, which is not a good thing. They used, the leather straps had stones and sometimes little metal pieces of pointy things on the end. Jesus accepted this when they beat him. He accepted this because he knew he was going to die for us. And the light yellow one, can you tell what that is? Crown of thorns, right. What did they do with the crown of thorns? Put it on Jesus' head, didn't they? The soldiers... And when they put it on his head, what'd they say? They're mocking him, making fun of him, saying what? They're saying, hail king of the Jews, you know, save yourself. Yep. Yeah. And the yellow one, it's a cross made of nails. That's right. The cross made of the nails because Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, that's what they used. They used nails. They put in his feet, in his hands. Y'all think that would hurt? I think so too, but he did it. He did it for us. Yep. And the light green one we have. Is that there? To die, right? Like what y'all have on a lot of your board games. What did they use that for? They gambled his what? What were they gambling? For his, for his clothes, right? His robe. The soldiers were gambling for his robe. And the purple egg we have. What is that? Looks like a little spear, right? <laughs> they used a spear when Jesus was hanging on the cross. The soldiers reached up and poked him in the side to see if he was really dead or not. And then the cream, cream-colored egg here. See what that is? A little piece of cloth, linen. When Jesus, when Jesus came down from the cross. 
when they took him down from the cross, they wrapped his body up in fine, fine linen and put him in the tomb, right? And here in, our, here in the pink one, here in this pink one, what is that? A rock. The rock, what's it represent? It represents the tomb that they laid Jesus in. It represents the tomb Jesus was laid in, and then the big, right. And they rolled a big stone in front of his tomb so nobody could get in there, right? All right, and then the last one. What is it? It's empty. What does this represent? Right. Empty tomb. He, after three days, he rose from the dead, right? The tomb was empty. He died for our sins so we could be forgiven. Oh, I did all of them. Like the tomb, like the tomb, we can have... We can be empty in our hearts without Jesus. We need to let God enter our hearts and our lives. Miss Mary's going to do the final prayer for us. Let's pray. God, it is amazing how much you love us. That you would give us all of these things, especially your own son's life, to die for us. But today we celebrate your resurrection. Our tomb is, your tomb is empty. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. And God, just so you'll know, we love you too. Amen. All right, come get your little treats before you go. Just get one. One, just get one. Make sure I got enough. Let me see if Just what they need, more Easter candy, huh? (laughs) Please join me in our responsive reading, printed in your worship folder. When Jesus came, he exploded the universe with truth. His love destroyed sin and death, and at the same time, it radiated to the whole world. His love has turned enemies into brothers and sisters, pain into joy, and death into life. And that is why we are celebrating not his death or the miracles, but his life, the life he offers us. This is the kind of life he offers you now. That is the kind of life we celebrate. Thanks be to God.
Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark. It, it of course, is the Easter story from Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God.
Shall we pray? I thank you, dear Lord, for your amazing love, your love that allowed your son to come to earth to save us, mere man, that we could be in fellowship with you. We celebrate this day, this resurrection day, the victory over death. And we have this time when we have a chance to give back just a small part of the many blessings that you have given us. Amen.
That's what it's all about, isn't it? Our Lord did arise, and that is why we are here today. The Reverend Gary Patterson tells about the uh, very first worship service that he led in his first pastoral position. He was young and very green. It was the first Sunday of August, a hot summer day in a small country church. About 60 or so people gathered for worship and wanting very badly to impress his new congregation, he naturally gave it all he had. And then at the end of his sermon, he thought to himself, well, not too bad. But just before he could catch his breath, a woman in the congregation sprang to her feet and began screaming. Well, Patterson froze in his place. His first thought was, no, no, that sermon wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> then his second thought was, oh gosh, they've sent me to a charismatic congregation and she's speaking in tongues. But then the woman began to get real words out and she cried, my mother, my mother, my mother is dead. Well, the place erupted. Patterson confesses that he himself was gripped by fear. I killed someone with my very first sermon, he thought. And then he thought, please God, don't let it be so. I've never done a funeral before, never. And this is not a good way to start. Well, as a couple of people moved toward the door to call an ambulance, suddenly a strange voice was heard over the din of confusion, and it was the voice of the woman who was allegedly dead. Her eyes were open, and she was obviously puzzled and very annoyed. She looked up at her daughter with great concern and, and said, Hush now, you're making too much noise. Well, there was cert cert certainly a hush, says Reverend Patterson. It was more like a shocked silence. He began to wonder about the power of the preached word to both kill and resurrect. But no, there was a very simple explanation. For you see, it was August in a little country church, and it was stifling hot, and the woman had simply been overcome by the heat a little snooze during the sermon. So watch yourself. Her daughter had simply jumped to conclusions and overreacted. We know strange things do happen sometimes in small country churches. But this story kind of reminds me of a story that Max Lucado tells about a physician in Arkansas who misdiagnosed a patient. He declared the woman to be dead and the family, of course, was grief-stricken. So you can imagine the surprise of the nurse when she discovered that the woman was not dead at all, but alive. You better tell the family, she urged the doctor. And so the embarrassed doctor called the husband on the telephone and said, I need to talk to you about your wife's condition. And so he said, my wife's condition, she's dead. Well, the doctor mumbled with embarrassment, she's seen a slight improvement. <laughs> Talk about an understatement. 
The truth of the matter is that once a person has been, been declared dead, if they, or if they revive, then they weren't really dead at all. For you see, when a person dies, they really die. That's it. Finished. It's done. It's over. Except, of course, in that one notable exception. And that exception took place at a tomb just outside of Jerusalem. The accounts differ a little in, vari in the various Gospels, but, but here's the gist of it. It was the first day of the week. The Sabbath had passed. And according to Mark's version, there were three women there, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome. They had brought spices so that they could anoint the body of their friend Jesus who had been crucified on that previous Friday. Two full days have now passed, and, but their hearts are still burdened with grief. But as they come close to the tomb, they, they begin wondering to themselves, who can we get to roll away the stone? For you see, the, the stone that sealed the tomb was very large and it would not be easy to move. But to their amazement, when they got to the tomb, the stone, they discovered, had already been rolled away. Then as they entered the tomb, they were startled to see a young man sitting there, all dressed in, in white. But the young man looked at them and said, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen but he wants you to go and to tell his disciples that he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there just as he told you before. And thus the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled who wrote hundreds of years before, he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from every eye. Did you hear that, my friends? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Rolled up into those few words, we have the one essential message of Easter Sunday. And that word, and that is the word that you have come here today to hear. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Jesus is alive, and the final enemy of death has been conquered. Now, of course, I, I hope you realize that the message of Christ's victory over death probably does not have the same emotional impact on us that it did with our forefathers and our foremothers. For you see, death was a very near, near companion to people in past generations. The average lifespan was very short. Fatal diseases were often epidemic, and, and many, if not most, families would lose at least one child when they were still a baby. And people died at home, not hidden away in a hospital. So, so death was a very real thing to people, much more so than it is for many of us today. In fact, today, if you look in our culture around us today, we are experts at both denying death and delaying death. Many children who are born this year will probably have a life expectancy of maybe a hundred years or more. 
And with the recent development, such as the, the Human Genome Project, a hundred years may even be a conservative estimate for some, for some people. The fact is that we are delaying death. Delaying it. Now if we could just do something to solve the problem of aging. You may have heard about the man who was arrested for selling eternal youth pill, pills. He was arrested for this, thinking that he was a con man, selling these, these pills that he promised his customers would, uh, if they would take these pills, they would never, ever grow old. And so they took him to the police station, and they booked him there. And, and as they booked him at the police station, they checked his record, and they discovered that this was not the first time he had been arrested on this charge. He had been arrested uh, before in 1776 and in 1812, and in 1903. Just kidding, of course. But the fact is that in, our, in a culture like ours, many people dread aging more than they do death. And yet science is rapidly placing upon us the intolerable burden of Tythonus. Do you remember the story of Tythonus in Greek um, mythology. Aurora, who is the goddess of dawn, fell in love with Tythonus, who was a mortal youth. In other words, he would die like all humans die. But Zeus, the king of gods, offered Aurora any gift that she might choose for Tythonus, and so naturally she chose the gift of immortality. However, she forgot to ask that he would be forever young. And so Tythonus grew older and older and older and could never die, and his gift became a curse. Jonathan Swift, in his marvelous tale of Gulliver's Travels, deals with very much that, that same issue. In this wonderful tale, it happened once or twice in a generation that a child would be born with a small circular dot on their forehead signifying that it would never die, that child would never die. And so Gulliver, when he learns about this, he imagines that these children would be the most fortunate people of all. But then as he comes to, to meet them, he realizes that they are, in fact, the most miserable creatures of all. For you see, they grow old and feeble. Their contemporaries die off. At the age of 80, their property is taken away from them and given to their children who would otherwise not be, never be able to inherit for them, from them. Their bodies contract various ailments. They accumulate grudges and grievances and they grow weary of the struggle of life and they can never look forward to being released from the pain of living. Thus, there are many things in life that we dread more than physical death. And indeed, for many of us, death is something that is far removed from us, from our everyday lives. For many of us, it is not until we come face to face with death in some personal way that we truly understand what happened on Good Friday. And it's hard when that happens to us. But that is precisely why there is something about Easter that makes our hearts beat a little faster because you see Easter 
gives us hope. Hope for our own victory over death. Because you see, Christ has promised eternal life for those who love Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that God gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should never perish but have everlasting life. In John 14.1-3 it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. So you see, Easter gives us hope for our own eternal life. But it also gives us hope as we deal with our lives here and now. My friends, Easter is a tonic for our soul. And it helps us to lift our eyes from our our own problems so that we can see our possibilities. I I love the way writer Jerome, Jerome puts it. And yes, that really is his name, Jerome, Jerome. Here's what he said. He said, look up and don't look down. He says, when you look down, you see so much of yourself and so little of the other things that God has made. You dwell on your problems instead of the wonders that God has out there for you. And then he gave an example. He says, one day I had a finger that ached in the joint. And I decided promptly that I had arthritis. And so I went to the public library and I got a medical book and looked up arthritis. Well, by the time I finished reading two pages, I had arthritis in every joint in my hands and in my knees besides. Well, it scared me. So I turned the page and there I found leukemia. And I read everything about leukemia and before I had finished, I just knew I had leukemia. And so I turned the page to ulcers and and, and I said, so now I know what causes those pains in my stomach. I have ulcers. I turned to pellagra, whatever that is. and, And I just knew that I had pellagra. In fact, the only thing I found in that medical book that I didn't have was housemaid's knee. And so I went to my doctor who had examined me lots of times before and had always told me that there wasn't anything wrong with me. And so I went, went there, I, got, I, I told him about all these things that I knew I had. And so the doctor sat there for a while and finally he said, yes, you're right. You're in a bad way. You are really in a bad way. And so now that you have diagnosed your case so well, I'm going to give you a prescription. I haven't given you any medicine before, but I'm going to give you a prescription this time, and I want you to take this to the pharmacist and get him to fill it. And so he wrote out a prescription on his prescription pad, and he folded it up and and handed handed it to me, and I went to the drugstore. 
He said the druggist took the prescription. He looked at it. He frowned and he made like he was scratching his head. And then he folded the prescription back up and, and, and came around the counter and handed it to me and said, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't have any of this in my drugstore. So I said, what? Don't you have the largest drugstore in the city? He said, yes, but the things the doctor has prescribed for you don't come in a bottle. And he handed it back to me. So I opened up the prescription, and this is what it said. It said, walk eight miles every day. Come home and eat a beefsteak for, for supper. And stop reading things you've got no business reading. Folks, it can be a dangerous thing to look too closely at ourselves and our problems because our tendency is to feel very sorry for ourselves. But a big part of the joy of Easter is that Easter helps us to, to lift our eyes upward, away from our problems so that we can focus our eyes on our possibilities. For you see, it is precisely because Christ lives that I too can live. And life is not always roses and sunshine. Sometimes it's thorns and, thunderstorm, uh, and, and uh, thunderstorms. However, Easter is God's promise to us that neither life nor death can conquer us because Christ has risen and Christ is with us as we face the good times in our lives as well as the bad times in our lives. Easter is our hope. It's an affirmation of God's goodness and grace. But one more thing to be said today and that is that Easter is an affirmation of Christ's presence with us in our lives today. You know, it, it's, it's so good to know that Christ does live, that that grave did not hold him captive, that he rose from the grave and he lives today. And one reason that is so important to us is because we are able to share in the joy of Mary Magdalene and Peter and all of those other disciples and followers to whom the risen Christ appeared. For you see, today he lives in our hearts just as truly as he lived and walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And that gives us joy. There's a story by a nun who, about a, a horrible accident that happened in her community a few weeks before Easter. It seems that the father of one of her students was burning some debris uh, when he accidentally set fire to himself, and he died as a result of his burns. Well, naturally, his family went into deep shock, and the nun, as well as many other uh, members of the community, sought to minister to this family, but they were too deeply hurt to really respond very positively to their effort, efforts. And the fact that the accident happened at home made it even worse. The man's wife was so distraught that she couldn't even go out into the garden where the accident took place. 
She, she even found it difficult to, to even look out the window just in case it brought the whole thing back to her again. But days went by, and then Easter came around. And on Easter Sunday, the nun visited the, the family again that afternoon, and, and she was expecting to find that them still grief-stricken, but, but when she got there, she, she got a very pleasant surprise. For you see, as soon as she stepped into that house, she sensed that, that the gloom had lifted and, and she got a feeling of peace, even joy. So she said to the wife, to the mother, something has happened here, I can sense it. And the mother replied, this morning my sister and a neighbor came by to visit me and, and they asked me to go out into the garden to get some fresh air. But I almost couldn't do it. I almost became hysterical at the thought of going into that garden. But convinced that, that it would help me, they insisted. And so I eventually went out with them into the garden. And, and slowly we walked down to the place where the fire was. And as we approached that spot, my whole body began to shake. But suddenly, I, I don't know how or, or from where, the words of the gospel came to me. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And at that moment, it was as, as if a heavy load was lifted from my shoulders. And I felt such a great sense of peace and joy. And that, my friends, is truly the meaning of Easter. Death has been conquered. And so now we can lift our eyes from our problems so that we can see our possibilities. For you see, Christ is alive. And because he lives, we also can live. And so here's the challenge that I want to leave with you today. Live your life. Live your life in the wondrous glory and hope and joy of our resurrected Savior. Because He lives, you too can live the abundant life of hope and joy. Amen. We are going to sing a hymn of response, number 282, Living for Jesus. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And we invite you to do that. Uh, as we sing this song, we invite you to come and, 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 and uh, make that public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps, um, perhaps you've been struggling with some things in your own life. And... and um, and you really haven't experienced this hope and this joy that Christ has to give to you. It is Easter. And because of Easter, Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. And that in and of itself, if we believe in that, if we really believe that death has been conquered, we have hope and joy in our lives. Sure, bad things happen sometimes. But you know what? We can overcome that too because Christ lives in our hearts and gives us strength and hope and joy.
now is the time for you to come forward if you would like to join our church. If you, um, if you have not uh, let me know to take advantage of this joining Sunday, if you have not let me know but would like to join today, we invite you to come forward and, and to do that now. Or if you want to, you can, uh, you can hand me the, the slip as you go out. So we, we invite you to come as we sing together number 282, Living for Jesus. Would you come? Thank you so much. Be seated for just a moment. Um, <clears throat> I would like to present to you those who have uh, have come and to uh, requested to unite with our church. Uh, some are here uh, today, and uh, I want to present to them to you. Of course, this is Kyle Keach, who has come uh, to, in, with a profession of faith, uh, professing his faith in Jesus Christ, and with a desire to be baptized. Also here, there's uh, Weldon Morris and Gregory Morris, 
who has come to unite with us. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Where, what did I say? <laughs> Morris Weldon and Gregory Weldon. Um, and, uh, and they have come to unite with our church as well. Uh, Morris has come to unite with, by transfer of letter and Gregory to uh, also professing his faith in Jesus Christ and will uh, be pursued in baptism uh, very shortly. Kirk Haynes has come uh, to unite with our church and, uh, and uh, he has come with transfer of letter from a church that I'm well aware of in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm very good friends with the, his, the pastor of the church that he's coming from in Atlanta. And also a couple of others who have indicated to me uh, that they would like to unite with our church as well. Uh, Roger and Alice Culver uh, are requesting membership, uh, transferring their letter from, uh, from a sister church. Uh, so would you please join me in welcoming these brothers and sisters into our fellowship by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 And by the way, it's not too late. I know today is joining Sunday, but you can do this any day. And if you'd still like to take advantage of this, just hand me the sheet as you go through today, and we'll take care of uh, uniting you with our church as well. Um, we are so glad that y'all have uh, made this commitment to, uh, to Christ, the two of you who have uh, professed this faith and this commitment to our church. And I know it, it may get old to you, but I'm going to do it. I say it every time somebody joins the church. We are all ministers in this church, every single one of us. That means you and you, too. And the reason why is because we are all family in this church. And as family, we take care of each other. And we minister to each other. And so that means in the day, days ahead, we look forward to the ministry that we have with you. But we're also looking forward to the ministries that each of you have with us. Because you're ministers, too. We're glad that you are here. I know you'll want to come and to speak to these and to extend the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome them into our fellowship. And uh, we invite you to stand as we have our benediction. And happy Easter to everyone. Go from this place in celebration because you have heard of God's great plan of redemption for all humanity. Go in joy because the living Jesus has redeemed you. Go in trust and hope because the Holy Spirit guides you. And go in remembrance because this is the day of resurrection. Go in the Spirit of Christ. For Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Bless you.